So we're moving on with Tamer Devera. Habez, the second character trait that we learned from the Pasuk in Micha Mikhail Kamecha Neisa Oven. So in the previous um, Shia, we learned about the first trait. Mikhail, who is like you, a patient God, who even when people use the very resources that you give them every moment of their living existence, they use those resources to spite you, to go against you which is the greatest humiliation you can inflict on someone. They give you a gift, and they give you the basic resources of life, and you use those very resources to go against against uh, the, the benefactor. So that's the greatest humiliation. Hashem is um, enduring the humiliation, so to speak, and is patient, and waits for the person to come to his senses and do tshuva. He doesn't lash out at the person right away and says, hey, why should I support you? Why should I continue to sustain your life if you're using that very sustenance I'm giving you against me. Hashem doesn't do that. He continues to benefit us. He continues to sustain us. And even though we're using this against Him and hoping that we will eventually do tshuva. So that's the first one. Now comes the second character trait. Noisa Oven. God carries sin. Uh, normally it's interpreted as Noisa. He suspends sin. He forgives sin. But the word is Noisa. Carrying. And he's going to explain what the meaning of that word is. And what type of unique characteristic is uh, represented in this term and how we can emulate that. This noisa oven, the second characteristic here, is a greater, is of a greater significance than the previous one. That means it's a greater feat. It's a greater chidush, a novelty, that Hashem can be noisa oven. Right? It's even more surprising. When a person does a sin, inevitably you create a destructive angel. As it says in the Mishnah, anytime a person commits an Avera, you create for yourself an angel who is a prosecutor. He becomes your own prosecutor. That means it's an angel that is inherently evil, and his whole purpose and design is to prosecute you, to bring evil upon you. But you are the one who created him through your Avera. So he continues, he says, Now this uh, prosecuting angel, this destructive angel, which he calls a mashchis, a destroyer, that's his nature, to be destructive. He stands before God, waiting for God to give him life, like all creations in the... In, in, in the universe and in creation that, that await for God to give them life. But when he said to God, plain your son, look, it's that person that created me through his evil actions. Now, there's not a creation in, in the universe that does not exist without Hashem. In other words, there's not a single creation that can exist without Hashem's um, Beneficence, right? Hashem's benevolent gift of life and energy. So this angel also needs Hashem to provide the angel with life, with sustenance, so he can continue to exist. So this destructive angel stands before Hashem. How is he going to survive? Now, he obviously wants Hashem to, to give him life like he gives all other creations life. But Hadin Naisen, what would have been the expected thing to happen. It would make sense. 
Shiyomar Kodesh Bochu, that Hashem would say to this destructive angel, No, I'm not giving you any life. Any zon mashchisim. I don't feed destructive entities. Why don't you go to the one who created you, and you can sustain and feed off him? And that's not a very nice thing, because to feed off a person, if a malach, a destructive angel, wants to feed off a person, that means basically he's taking his soul hostage to feed himself. So the malach should feed himself, and which means that the person will lose his life. This is the way it works in the spiritual realms. So God said, God could have said to this angel, Go to the one who made you, and then, you know, feed off this guy. Why should I sustain you? I didn't make you. I don't feed destructive forces. I only feed good, good entities. So, if God were to tell this to this destructive angel that we create through our Vedas, then the destructive angel would go down immediately. It would take the soul away from the person and say, hey, I want to live. So, if you uh, can't give me life, then I'll take your neshama and live from your neshama. Or he cuts him off from his source. He'll cut the person off from his life source. Or maybe Hashem will punish the Jew for creating such an angel. Because Hashem can either destroy this evil force that was created through tshuva. When a person does tshuva, he destroys the evil that's created through Averis. The other way, if a person doesn't do tshuva, then there's another way to destroy evil. We destroy evil through suffering. So a person has a choice. Either he does tshuva or Hashem can punish him. So if the person doesn't do tshuva, then God can punish the person until he, the, the, the mashchis, the destructive angel, is, is being destroyed. But Hashem doesn't do that. He doesn't say to the angel, go get the person. He made you, why not you take his neshama and, and live off his neshama? Hashem doesn't do that. He carries and bears the sin. Just like as he feeds the entire world, billions of creations, he also feeds and sustains this destructive angel too. And he doesn't send them off to the person that made him. Until... How long does it sustain this mashkis? What is God waiting for? Obviously, the God wants a world that's free of destructive energies. God waits for one of the three things to happen. First, either the person will do tshuva, the sinner will do tshuva, he will destroy and nullify the destructive angel with his suffering and with his tshuva. In those days, the Ramak still lived in a time when Balamusa would... Uh, um, include, incorporate physical self-infliction on the body uh, as part of a tshuva. Tshuva mishkol, tshuva sakona, there's all kinds of methods of uh, find expiation for an avera through suffering. Today, the Alter Rebbe and the Bechal, the Baal Shem Tov, that said that Oz of Tazavimai, that you don't uh, torment the body. But that's not a way to do tshuva. Tshuva has to be more in the heart. But either way, it's it's through suffering and through tshuva, you'll destroy the mashkis. It says is that tshuva requires also a physical aspect. Besides the regret and the remorse in the heart, it also involves um, it involves um, also verbalizing confession, right? Verbal confession. 
And uh, it says that uh, why do we need both? Why is the remorse enough? So the Tzavach brings because an, a, um, a mashchis, an, an evil angel that's created through sin, has two aspects to him. There's the soul and there's the body. As the Ramban says that even angels have a soul and a body, but not a physical body. Within the spiritual realm, there's the two dimensions, a more refined aspect and a more less refined, which is called the body and the soul. So the Tzavach says that the remorse in the heart of Tshuva destroys the life, the neshama of the angel of that evil angel. And the, the physical articulation of vidui, confession, or shamla, you say it with physical, with your lips, that destroys the, the, the goof of the, of the angel. But here he's talking about physical infliction of suffering, which is also used to be used as a method to destroy the goof of the mashchis. So both tshuva in the heart and through physical activity that uh, destroyed the mashchis. So, so that God waits for a person to do tshuva and destroy this destructive force by his own tshuva. Or God, the judge, the, the righteous judge, who is Hashem, will see to it that this mashkes is destroyed through the suffering and the death of, a pers- of the person, the, the sinner. Because we know that suffering also brings the rectification of what uh, sin has, has accomplished. The Orachayim HaKadosh mentions in Pashas Bahar with great, great length that uh, he learns the Pshat and the Psukim there that Hashem is going to bring Mashiach, the Gola. The world is going to change and reach its ultimate destiny. Right? Where the world will be free of evil and the godly light will shine everywhere. And this has to happen through our actions. But we have Chas Shalom, we don't do what we need to do. Then God will make it happen no matter what. But Hukabakrok, Mashiach will come. But we who are causing setbacks and slowing down the process through our various, so Hashem sometimes to speed up the Geula inflicts and imposes uh, harsh suffering on the people. And suffering accomplishes what mitzvahs can do in some ways. That it um, remedies the, the setbacks that our various have caused in, in history, um, slowing down the process of Geula and through the suffering God can expedite the Gula. <clears throat> so he says that God waits for one or the other. Either the person does tshuva, but if the person does not go to get to his senses and do tshuva, so he can destroy this evil force that he created through his sin, God says, then I will destroy it through inflicting suffering on the person. Or God waits even till the afterlife. He doesn't give him suffering when he's alive. He waits till he dies. And then in Gehenim, So these are the three options God has. But he doesn't immediately strike out and say, Hey, who created this monster, this evil force? Go back to the one who made you and take his life. God doesn't do it. He sustains this angel, gives him life, and and he waits for the person through tshuva to uh, suspend the life of this angel. Behind Hashem Akain, this is what Kain meant when he said to Hashem after he killed Hevel, and Hashem saw that condemned him, right? Nova Natia, you'll be um, that he'll be condemned. So he said, God love any minute. So he cried out to Hashem, he says, Is my sin too great to be forgiven? So the Ramak says the deeper meaning of Kain's words is a Pirsha Rabbisin's Ramavach. Our sages tell us in the Medrash that Kain was saying to Hashem, Koloilam Kuloi Atusevel. You bear the entire world, Yirtzim, meaning, Zonom of You feed billions and billions and zillions of creations. 
The entire world you feed. And my sin covered is too hard, too heavy. Too difficult, too challenging. You cannot bear it. Perush meaning. You mean because of this one sin that I did. It, it, it's a, it, it prevents you from feeding me. You can feed billions of creations, but you can't feed me one person because of this one sin I did. That means, continue to feed me until I will do tshuva and I will fix what I did wrong. So, so he, was, he was echoing the, the, the thought that is mentioned in this chapter, that uh, we ask Hashem to be so patient with us that He should continue to bear and support the evil situations that we create, the energies, the malachim, the angels that we create through our Averis, which God now is forced to sustain such an angel. And that's even a bigger chutzpah, and, and it shows even greater patience on Hashem's side than the previous case, the previous midah. The previous midah says, Mikel Kamecha, that God gives us life, and we use that same gift of life against Him. That's pretty, uh, pretty big chutzpah. To, to do that, and it's very humiliating. But this is more. Not only are we doing the wrong thing with the very resource that He's giving us, but we're creating a, an evil force in the world, and we're forcing Hashem to continue to sustain that evil force with something that we created. That takes a lot more nerve to do. And it shows even greater patience on Hashem's side. And in this is an incredible measure of God's patience. That He would feed and sustain a evil creation, which the sinner created himself, until the person does tshuva. So this is the second midah, that God is carrying and bearing. He's carrying it and he's not striking out and say, why should I carry the sin? The sin here means that evil angel that is a product of the sin, he, he, he sustains it, he carries him too. Like he carries the billions of creations in the world and sustains him, he carries that evil malach that the person created through his action. From here a person can learn. How much a person has to be patient. That a person should also do the same. That if somebody wronged you, and um, you should bear the evil that he's done to you, and the wicked things that he's done for you, to such a degree, even if the evil that he done to you is so bad, that it's lingering on, it's not just a one-time evil. He created a situation that continues to harm you. It's a perpetual and an ongoing source of harm, and pain and suffering for you. So while you're still suffering from his actions, what should be your response? That a person should be patient, even though the situation that the friend caused you, that negative situation is still uh, ongoing, you're still suffering from it. And he should continue to suffer and bear the consequences of these actions. Until his friend will be fixed. Actually, his battle mail of until the situation that he created for him shall also be suspended. The previous Rebbe tells a fabulous story that he heard from his grandmother, the Rebbe Tzenrifke, where she, she shared with him the history of her family. Her family from her side, Rebbe Aaron, who was um, a chassid of the Mittler Rebbe and a son-in-law of the Mittler Rebbe, and, and his, uh, his father and his grandfather, they were chassidim of the Alter Rebbe. 
And he tells a remarkable story. There was so many few generations back in her family, uh, there was a father and a son. They lived in Shklov. So this was at the time when the opposition of the Misnagdim was very, very extreme. So much so that Misnagdim, some Misnagdim believes it's allowed to cause the Shalom, the elimination of Chassidim. Chassidim were so dangerous to the fabric of Judaism that it's permitted to cause, at least indirectly, that they should disappear from the face of the earth. This is why they, they you know, got the Alter Rebbe imprisoned. They were hoping that this will, uh, you know, weaken the Chassidim by taking away the Alter Rebbe, Chas Shalom. So anyway, this, 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 the Ishklov was known as the fortress of the Misnagdim, had many, many Go'inim, Adirim, uh, but there was also Chassidim, many of them that became Chassidim through the influence of the Alter Rebbe. And there was particularly one family, a father and a son, especially the son became a very strong follower of the Alter Rebbe. Very learned people. And they were the leading, and they were also wealthy people. They were in the business of importing tea and coffee from third world countries, which was a big business in those days. There were other competitors in Shklov that also were in the same business. Some of them were misnagdim, big misnagdim. Misnagdim who believed that Chassidim, uh, you're allowed to harm them, uh, at least financially, it's, it's, it's a mitzvah to harm them in order to undermine their efforts as Hasidim in spreading Hasidism around Russia. So this uh, young man, I think his name was Benjamin, um, was with his father in the business, the tea business. And he was known as a Hasid, and he was very influential in the city and very successful. And one of his competitors, a big misnagit, also big in the business of importing tea, went to the government and told against him that he cheats on his taxes. That means he's importing tea and coffee, big ships are coming to the shore from third world countries, and he's not reporting them to the government. And that he owes thousands, tens and thousands of rubles in taxes that he hasn't paid. Of course, that got the government against this chassid, and some of his ships were confiscated, and he endured a humongous loss, I mean, a huge loss of, of financial loss. It was so. It took him a long time to recover from this. He lost a lot of money. He found out somehow who was behind this scheme with the government that it was this misnagit. And this uh, Benjamin, I think his name was, uh, was a um, didn't say anything. The misnagit wasn't sure he knew that he did it because he tried to hide his actions, but the chassid didn't know. He found out. Few years went by, and the misnagid lost all his money. Other things happened to him; his whole business went down. And not only that, to make matters matters worth, he lost money, and he had children need to get married. Didn't have money for for weddings, and he also became very ill, most likely from the agony and the pain of losing all his money and now his children. And he had a lot of tzoros. He ended up so sick that he stayed in bed. And people in the community felt sorry for him and they raised money for him tried to help him and get doctors and medical he, st- he laid in bed this chassid the Binyamin who was a victim of this misnagit when he knew that he was sick and he was in bad, badly in need of money he went to visit him to the midst of his misnagit didn't expect him to come that he should come the chassid he should come and visit him especially that it, he may know by now that I'm the one who ruined his business 
But uh, he didn't say anything, and the, the chassid gave him encouragement and, and so hope that he should have betochen and so on. And before he left, he took out uh, very surreptitiously, secretly, uh, 500 rubles in cash and slipped it quietly under the pillow of this the, the, this sick person, this misnagit. The misnagit later found 500 rubles. He was quite shocked. And he, you know, retraced the steps and he realized it was this binyamin, this chassid that gave it to him. It was so surprising to him, so shocking that this guy, who was his victim, so he comes now and, and tries to help him with 500 rubles. was a fortune of money. So that was the story. And, and, and Binyamin never mentioned it, never talked about it. A few years went by, this young man, this young Chassid passed away. He passed away young. His father survived him. And he said, Shiva for his son. It was a big tragedy. The Alter Rebbe came to pay a Shiva visit to, the, to this family. And the Alter Rebbe asked the father of the deceased, tell me some of the stories about your son. Some of the great things he did. And the father kept saying, you know, he davened, he learned, it. I'm looking for something else. He gave tzedakah, tell me more. Finally, the father remembered that incident, that it was this misnagat who ruined his son's business. And nevertheless, his son didn't say anything. Not only that, when the other one was in need, he brought him 500 rubles, which was a fortune of money, and was a, quite a bite of the chassid's own fortune, I mean, his own, his own money. He, to give off so much money from his own money, when he wasn't that wealthy, he was well, okay, he was in good shape, but not that much. It was quite a sacrifice to do this. So the Alter Rebbe heard this. He says, now I understand. What do I understand? I saw your son's neshama in Ganeid with garments, with clothes, of course, spiritual garments that are so powerfully radiant that are only saw by great tzaddikim. And I could understand because your son was a great guy, but I never knew him to be so, so great. That he's in that league. But now you tell me that story, I understand. That means doing, helping someone in need when that someone not only wronged you or ruined your business or ruined your health, whatever, but the, the, the consequences of what he did to you is still lingering on. You're still suffering from it. And nevertheless, you go and help him and do a favor to him. That's the, the Nesa Oven, emulating God's quality of Nesa Oven.